Happy New Year to you guys out there. You are listening to the Heroes Home Base Podcast, Episode 10. Hey, what's up, guys? This is Mark. This is Rob. Hey, what's going on, guys? This is Rich. So, fellas, Christmas is over. Happy New Year. What's been going on? Happy New Year. Just kind of winding down after the holidays, you know, work parties and Christmas parties and Christmas gifts and just winding down before I go back to work. All right. So go. let's let's go around here. Who got some pretty fucking sweet comic book stuff for Christmas? Um, I did. My dad got me a um, long live the bat 80th anniversary um, plaque to uh that is now sitting in my office so it's one of those uh um i would call that maybe 18 inches by 15 inches so it's pretty decent size but it's really nice i was not expecting that it's got like um the font has got gold um gold plating gold plating yeah the logo is gold plated um it looks like it's a jim lee uh photo and then it's got some old school panels in the back like i could see some of the original Joker work in the background. So it's pretty sweet. I'm, I'm really excited for it. What about you guys? Go ahead, Mark. I was going to say, I picked up, well, I picked up issue number one of Hawkeye that was written by Matthew Rosenberg, who we interviewed a few weeks back. And the book is pretty good. I'm digging it. I did read right. that as well. His style is really good. He's kind of like off the cuff. I like it. Right. We'll have to do a uh, review of that here pretty soon. Good idea. Did you get anything else for Christmas there, Mark? I did. I got a new mic stand courtesy of my dear brother, Rich Wagner. No. <laughs> that I absolutely love, and it's very professional, and we're, we've hit the big time, people. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hinted at it on the last episode. I ended up getting Kim that uh, Nightwing and Batgirl statue where you hang it upside down or you hang it on the wall and they're hanging upside down off of a gargoyle, off of a grappling line. And she freaking loves it. It's pretty fucking sweet. I'll have to put it on the Facebook page. If nobody knows what I'm talking about, it's literally a statue that you hang on your wall upside down. It's pretty sweet. Well, I think for new year's though, I'm looking forward to just kind of reading some new stuff. Going to have some opening up in my schedule pretty soon. And, I definitely think I want to maybe read some stuff I haven't usually read. So kind of Christmas was more of the traditional stuff I love, which is great. Maybe branching out and reading some uh, some Marvel stuff or maybe some uh, independent stuff. So we'll, I'm looking to try some new stuff this year. What about you guys? I'm interested in the same. See what books are coming out now that we're, we've talked to, you know, an, an artist that kind of has me wrapped up to see what, what else is another, what other kind of new books are out there. I don't know if I'm going to collect anything new. Um, I might dial back some stuff and uh, I'm definitely excited for Matt's Hawkeye. My favorite artist, Ed McGinnis is still drawing Avengers. So, I mean, I don't know if I'll pick that up or not, but every time I'm in the store, I always pick it up and look at his artwork. I really wish he'd come back and draw Superman again. So speaking of other Christmas comic book related items, I mean, it's become a, tradition that i get my uh laughing ogre comic book gift certificates every single year and this year is no different um which is kind of special leads into our uh special announcement for this particular episode mark what do you got for us so you guys we got a very special guest someone who we have had a long relationship with and who has definitely had a long relationship in the city of columbus we have gib from the comic book show laughing ogre 
that we interviewed um, on this episode. So I think you guys will be for a real treat. I hope you guys really enjoy it. Um, it was a really fun conversation with him. Uh, personal, professional. Um, go ahead and leave us a comment on our Facebook page or write us an email and let us know what you think about the interview. And uh, what I'll say is if you haven't stepped foot into the Laughing Ogre, I hope after listening to this episode that you will uh, you'll visit their, uh, their spot. They're pretty uh, well-known in Central Ohio, so um, most folks have been in there, but in case you haven't, it's, it's worth, uh, it's a treat. Without further ado, Gib. Gentlemen. Well, welcome, sir. We're glad you could make some time on this Saturday evening. It's my pleasure. So first, we want to thank you for taking the time to talk with us. We really appreciate it as we get our podcast off the ground. And I like to start every interview the same way because we all have such a passion. So tell us, when did you first fall in love with comics? So I used to go into, way before there were comic stores, I used to go into a pharmacy to buy magazines and paperback books. Right. And I'm going past the comic rack. And like I said, I never really picked up comics. I had read them before. but And I see two Spider-Man on the cover. Yes, the original clone got me into comics. And I was intrigued. I'm like, how can there be two Spider-Men? Yep. Interesting. So, yep. It was called Bomfiglio's Pharmacy in Greenville, Ohio. I had a route. I would go there, walk across the street to Sir Walter's Pipe House. They sold tobacco products and paper products. And then at the far end of the of Broadway in Greenville, Ohio, was a, a grocery store called Marsh's. And I would hit them last. Back then, the guy doing the deliveries did magazines and stuff, and he didn't care if he got everything in any one place. He just shoved those things right. in a slot. That actually reminds me. Um, Rich and I used to go to Miller's Pharmacy back on Oakland. Was that Oakland Park in, like, Mays area? I want to say remember. it was Oakland Park. I can't quite remember, but it was. It back was in the good old of... days of the independent pharmacy apothecary yeah. shops. Right. Yeah, we used to get comics there first before comic stores as well. That's that's pretty cool. I was going to say, so going back that far, can you tell me what are what are some of your all time favorite titles? What's how large is your collection? Well, when we opened the store, I had sixty boxes. Whoa! But, but they became, for the most part, the back stock at the store. Okay. So I kept four different comics. I kept Grew Number One. I kept. Secret Origins of the Phantom Stranger, because nice. I didn't think that would ever be reprinted. I kept Amazing Spider-Man 148, because that was my first book. And, gentlemen, I kept Bone Number 1, because Jeff had signed it to me. Hell yeah. Wow. <laughs> the nice. 60 boxes was your collection. Yeah. Wow. Gib, who is your like all-time favorite comic hero, then? Well, I mean, I've been a Spidey guy since the start, but when you're talking about like superheroes, yeah, I'll always be. Peter will always be first. But... Steve Rogers, you can't beat Captain America, Logan, Wolverine, and of course, Aunt Petunia's favorite blue-eyed nephew, the ever-loving thing. You can't not love him. He has such a big heart. It's tough exterior, but such a big heart. Ben Grimm is awesome. I tend to sh to go towards him anymore because not he's not he's not a whole lot of people's favorite. You know, Steve, Pete, Logan, everybody has those guys as a favorite. So yeah. I don't know if you listened to our other episode, but like we really. Uh, dug deep into underrated villains in the comics. What do you think is your most favorite underrated villain? Yeah, that's a tough one. Um, <laughs> probably before Bendis, the Purple Man. The now, nice. you know, I mean, Bendis really kind of made him with that alias storyline. 
Absolutely. I just got goosebumps when you said that because I was thinking of the exact same thing. Like, man, he like, I just thought that I just got goosebumps when you said that because you're so right. Because he, he became such a like creeper, such a psychological thriller kind of character. I, yeah, you're so right. I have to confess, I've never read a book with him in it. Watch that first uh, Jessica Jones season. Yeah. Excellent show. Ooh, excellent. And the thing is, when I started watching it, I... I couldn't even fathom the last person I thought would be the Purple Man. And when I saw that, I'm like, holy crap, that was so awesome that they thought of him. Yep. It's just like, I feel like Marvel has, like, there's just somebody that works at Marvel that knows the character so well that they just go, like, deep, like, just go through the archives and, like, who can we pull out and who can we twist and turn? And I love that. So, Gib, what are some of your... um... So before we kind of dive into the store, kind of looking at um, obviously the big thing with comic books is comic cons. So what are some of your favorite memories, kind of both as a fan, but also kind of as a business person? Because I know you you aren't just a, a customer at comic cons. You've I'm sure. You go back to like when I went as a fan, Mar when um Roger still owned Mid Ohio. Those were mm-hmm. just golden oh, yeah. days. Uh, we'd make the trek up to to Mansfield before it came to Columbus and. Yeah, it was it was magic. It was a wonderful show, and I loved going as a kid. Well, as a young adult, I should say. And then, uh, but no, still, then as a retailer, setting up and helping Roger with Mid Ohio was awesome. Before it was purchased and then purchased again and made into a, I don't know why they call it Comic Con anymore. Yeah, it was always right around Thanksgiving, though, right? Yep, because Thanksgiving weekend, the bigger conventions, not so much conventions like comic shows, but you know anybody the county commissioners or, you know, the quarter horse Congress or something. Nobody wanted Thanksgiving. So Roger could assure that same weekend every year and people could plan. Which one was the one that was at city center for a while? Was that it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It moved downtown for a while. I I think the heyday when it was out at Easton, uh, what I think the Hyatt out there. Yeah. Yeah. I remember like the last few times it was around. Wasn't it in the Hilton? Yeah. I don't remember for sure. I just remember Rich, we almost, we we had the opportunity to get Adam West to sign something when it was downtown one year, and yep. we just didn't. Since we were poor kids, we didn't have the twenty five bucks or whatever, whatever, reasonably priced. And <laughs> nowadays, but. I remember we took our Kingdom Come books to have Mark Wade sign them because he was there, and they were doing that whole crossfire, cross world, or whatever was going on at that time, and he was ready to go to lunch, and he got up from yeah. the table and just went down the line of people and were like. Just signing and going, signing and going instead of waiting until they got to the table. That was pretty sweet. I was like, well, hey. I remember the person behind us was like, saw our kingdom come. I was like, oh, damn it. I didn't bring my kingdom come. Because <laughs> <laughs> we have what? All four signed by both him and Alex, don't we, Ridge? Yep. Yep. Nice. Give, what would you? What kind of advice would you give to kind of an up-and-coming kind of collector um, regarding Comic-Con conventions? So I know Comic-Con by trade name is pretty darn huge, but like what's some of the essential things that they need to know? Yeah, I'm not, I was never that big a convention goer. I always say, you know, look at, look at who's coming, go out and find your favorite work from them. You know, to me, when I get something signed, it's always like a really nice hardback. Cause I like something sitting on the shelf over there and pull it off when I'm going to reread it and think, Oh yeah, right. I met that guy or I met that girl. And it was yeah. They were cool, and I still love it. That's true. I think Mark kind of did that, too. What would you do that with uh, your author, but then he was hosting a panel or something? Yeah, with uh, Greg Cox. He wrote a few uh, graphic novels. of It was a trilogy, X-Men and Avengers crossover that came out in 1999 called Gamma Quest. 
and he did three books. And I went to the WinterCon here in Queens and I had all my books ready for him to sign. And I get to his table and it said back in an hour because he was doing a panel. And I'm like, oh man, but that's okay. Because I did get to meet Chris Claremont two years in a row. And so that I still hold that memory very dear to my heart. So it's okay. I've never met Chris. Is he a nice guy? He's a very nice guy. He answered all our questions. I mean, he stood there and talked to us for about 10 minutes and gave us like golden eggs about Marvel and his dealings with Marvel and how he wanted certain characters to be a certain way and how the machine wanted it another way. And so he was very, very nice. Gib, do you have any favorite celebrity run-ins? I saw that one time Ming Chen from Comic Book Man came into the store. Uh, yeah. Uh, I can't remember. He's been in there multiple times. I think he's got, um, he has family in Columbus, I believe, or did at one time. Interesting. Yeah, I, I, I'm pretty sure I met him one time, and he was really nice. But you get old, you forget that stuff. <laughs> now, Bendis, Bendis used to come down when he was still in Cleveland and set up in the store. He was always really cool. And then when he was in town for CXC, he talked about how important the store was to him because we had treated him like a rock star before he was. Uh, Busick was in the store. He was really cool. Are you serious? <laughs> yeah. Kurt Busick, are you kidding me? <laughs> no. Oh, my it's, gosh. We were going to have dinner with Kurt, but strangely enough, well, because when you fly him into town, you usually go out afterwards. But he's like, hey, guys, do you mind? Because Scott McCloud is one of my childhood friends. Okay. And Scott just happened to be in Columbus. He's like, do you mind? We haven't seen each other in like six years. We're like, oh, no, Kurt, go ahead. You know, have dinner with Scott. But, yeah, he was really cool. I mean, his run with George Perez of Avengers Volume 3 is my favorite run of any comic book of all time. So I would have flipped the desk. I would have jumped over the desk if Kurt Busiek walked in. Mark, you're going to be really envious. Do you remember when uh, they broke into Ultron's lair and Thor said, we would have words with thee? Yes. I own the page. No way. Yeah, it's beautiful. <laughs> I bet. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so, yeah, everybody we've had in the store has been wonderful. Is there That's somebody so that awesome. you've always wanted to have in the store that you haven't been able to kind of get in there? Well, I've never pursued Alan Moore, but that would be my, oh my that God. would be Because <laughs> to me, he, he is the comic writer, the grandmaster. For sure. You get Rich's blessing for that one. <laughs> he would like you to seek that out. When you, when you think about everybody, Watchmen's not even my favorite Moore thing. I, my favorite Moore thing would probably be V yeah. for Vendetta, oh, yes. Miracle Man. Saga the Swamp thing, you know, then you've got Watchmen. You've just got, not even mentioned in, like, when he went over, redid his stuff with, like, Tom Strong and Promethea. And, you know, just his catalog is amazing. It really is. Warren Ellis, we had Warren Ellis in. I'd bring Warren Ellis back. He's a blast. Paul Jenkins, we've had him in numerous times. That's one of the greatest guys in comics. Hell yeah. All right, so the big question, Gib, when did you decide and make it up in your mind to open a comic store? You know, when I was a kid, I always thought when I retire, what I want is to own a bookstore. So all day long, all I'm going to do is sit around and tell people, oh, you got to read this. Oh, you got to read this. <laughs> and then a friend of mine had a, some money. He's like, let's start a business. What do you want to do? And in the meantime, I had worked with a good friend of mine at the Wizard of Comics in Columbus. And just, you know, that's that was just it. I just fell in love with that. I love the genre. I love the the, you know, comics as a whole. And it's like. That's what I do every day and share my passion for really good stories with people that come in the door and I get paid. That's kind of cool because it's, it's kind of different from the bookstore because then it'd be like, read this novel. But it's like you have a much larger selection pool, I would say. 
Yeah, my my thought was in a in a used I would be a used bookstore and I would only buy the stuff that I really liked. So mm-hmm. every book in this place I recommend. Right. <laughs> At fourteen or fifteen, that was my goal is just to be have like ten copies of everything I loved and say, Oh no, you can't go out without that. Go down every aisle, pick up one of everything. Yes. We'll see at the front. They're all good. I know. Okay, so the most asked question, I'm sure, is tell us the story of why the Laughing Ogre. As far as the name? Yep. So we used to play all of my partners and I, Darren Garino, Rod Phillips, and I, we used to play Warhammer, fantasy roleplay, a D&D kind of thing out of Britain. Mm-hmm. And one of the, one of the, Places in the world we used to adventure was called the Laughing Ogre. It was an inn where we, our characters hung out. So when we're trying to make up a name for the store, we're thinking we wanted a character, and we had a lot of different ideas, but that was the one that that, that stuck. The the runner-up, you know the Pep Boys logo with the three faces there? Yeah. Yes. Yep. You're going to have somebody do us in caricature really angry, and we were going to be three angry bastards. <laughs> Interesting. That was the runner-up, but we went with the Laughing Ogre. Probably would have been a lot of moms and dads going, I don't know if I want yeah, to not that there. <laughs> yeah. I still like the idea. I just remember my first memory of even seeing the store. I, I, I was pretty young because our dad worked out at, on campus, so we were always up and down, you know, 23, and it was the Superman logo that caught me first. I was like, oh, well, there's a place yep. that has the interesting name with the Superman logo. Okay. Maybe I'll go in there one day. One of our thoughts was, listen, you know, the Laughing Ogre doesn't say comics. Because the Wizard of Comics was a comics and gaming store, which is what we were going to be. But when we found this place, you've got the soldier in the back. They sell games. I mean, why compete with somebody in the building? Why not talk to them? They sold comics at the time, but they didn't do it very well. They really need to get out of it anyway. So now you've got two businesses where you can concentrate on one part of the business and you know, you're just better at it. Right. So we're thinking Soldry where they had collectibles spelled wrong on their sign for the longest time. Yes, it was spelled wrong. <laughs> well, they bought the sign. They didn't check it. And it took a while to save out the money to buy another sign. <laughs> but but we're thinking the Laughing Ogre doesn't scream comic shop. So what does a Superman logo? It was back and forth between Spidey's face and the Superman logo. Both very recognizable. A little Spidey headshot that you used to see in the corner of the comics. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So was there ever a thought of maybe doing that on the other side of the logo? So you have like oh, Superman. the other, yeah. No, we considered it. Well, it worked because I'm like, I don't know what the Laughing Ogre is, but I know what Superman is. So exactly, go in there these days. Guys knew what you were doing. I know something that I'm always curious in because I'm very passionate about personal finance, and so I'm curious as to how what strategies you use to keep the business alive at a time where comic book comic book stores were not as popular and they were closing left and right. When we opened in 94, like everybody else in town had just run up a lot of debt and we opened pretty much on a shoestring. Like none of us drew a salary. We didn't have a dumpster. We took home the trash. You know, we just worked as, as tight as we could, but we had a lot of passion for it and everybody else was kind of, they had just been socked by the post death of Superman fall off. Right. Everybody's sitting on everybody's sitting on all kinds of product they couldn't sell. So that's how we started off. And then we eventually ran up a little bit of debt and sold it after 12 years. So if you have any idea for me, I'll go back in time and maybe I won't run up that debt. Yeah, because I remember, Rich, because we were going to Comic Town in Westerville probably a good solid year before we started frequently going to the Ogre. And then that closed. I remember we... Obviously, we've talked about comic connection multiple Mark, times in this podcast. Mark Hagen. Mark's a good yep. guy. 
then British Paper Mill. I remember that was an interesting establishment for a while. And then it's either... And I know Comic Town was what? They were in Easton for like a hot minute. And then now they're off of 23 off 270 now. But it's kind of like you guys are one of the Comic Town spots and everybody else is kind of gone. From when we opened, yeah. Comic Town. Comic Town's a little bit older. Actually, the guy that opened Comic Town took over an old Wizard of Comics. His name is Terry Waldemeyer. And he actually, before he opened the Morse Road store, asked me to go in with him. So, but I, we already had plans with Darren Rod and I to open because he wanted me to go in with him and open that Morse Road Comic Town. I remember that one. It was smaller, and then they moved into the old Video Pursuit building, which was like twice the size. They're building up there now. It's huge. Yeah, I went in there about a couple months ago, and of course half of it's just tables for magic and stuff. Right. But yeah, it's pretty big. I just remember that we went to Comic Town Westerville just to look around to kill time, and our first attempt to starting a poll was, you know, wasn't that great but we actually very first got committed to collecting was at the laughing ogre with you since you wanted to be a bookstore owner and you're kind of doing something similar what is kind of the record for the most comic books you've read in a week the wife and i traveled up to see my uh, daughter and son-in-law and so we spent like not a probably a week there but i just packed a bunch of stuff and they've got little girls so we didn't want to stay long enough to keep the girls being tired so we were in the hotel a lot that time and i think i i think i read like 70 that week wow wow i got a chance to catch up on stuff i tried <laughs> that to, was right <laughs> i tried to read about 12 on tuesday night and then two or three each night but that doesn't always work that's my goal 70 is a big number like i don't yeah. think i can manage that on a beach vacation for a week so um, gib what are your thoughts on comics today compared to when you first started the ogre so like that could be artwork that could be storytelling what, what are your thoughts kind of comparing from now to then there's a lot of young small companies out there trying to tell good stories which i really enjoy like some of my favorite things come out of the the smaller companies um <clears throat> when we opened a store one of our big things was we didn't really care if it was Marvel, if it was DC, if it was Image of Black and White, it didn't matter to us. Is the story good? That's really all I care about. And and I like good art, but that doesn't preclude me from enjoying a story. Zombie was one of my favorite stories of all time. Uh, John Rosam wrote it, and it was so interesting. It was so creative. It was kind of like an Alan Moore creativity level with this horror comic that he was writing. And some of the art was just horrid, but... It was just so creative and interesting. I got through it anyway. That's the pickiness of Mark. If, if he doesn't like the art, he's not reading it. Exactly. <laughs> There's a lot of people who are like that, sure. Okay, Gib, what's the most expensive comic that you held in your hand and or wrung out at the register at the Ogre? Probably we had a we were helping with a guy that was liquidating a, a state sale. Oh, boy. And there was an early Batman, and I'm going to guess from memory, but this is from memory, 10K, something like that. Whoa! Is that a cashier's check or cash? <laughs> I think it was PayPal. <laughs> there you go. Probably more wow. secure than both. <laughs> 10K. Ooh. Was it in rough shape? Yeah. Yeah, but it was like first poison ivy or something. Oh, wow. Ooh. I, I think that's Batman 181. Yeah. That had Robin yeah, on the cover was, too, didn't it? I think so. To picture it. Yeah. It was, uh, it was pretty early and, and it was... Yeah, it was like, wow. And, you know, we it went two times and no one bid on it at all. 
And then the final time it went like almost double guy because people got into it. Hmm. And I, for the first few times I'm like, I can't believe this is not selling. Yeah. That's white gloves only right there. Right. <laughs> I'm curious as to really what brought you back for, after selling it. So when we sold the store, um, the guy I was selling to said, listen, we're not interested in selling unless you, unless you run it. And I said, well, I don't really know. It's, it's a very personal thing to me because I buy in and it's like, this is my place. So I told it was my friend Gary we sold it to. I said, I don't know if I can work for you. We're friends, but that's a whole different thing. I was there for about a year, and one of his partners was like, look, we, we've got a friend that lives in, in Columbus, and I'd rather I'd be more at ease with buying this if this friend of theirs, Jason, would run it rather than me because his friend or his partner did not know me at all. We met a couple of times. His name is Jeff. Great guy. But so they bring they bring Jason in and Jason was a wretch. And I just could not watch him destroy the business in front of me and treat customers like crap. Just right. oh, man, just, your customers. Yeah. And it was like, I can't watch this happen. So so after I was gone. <clears throat> when was that? What year was that? Because I feel like we pulled out. Kind of short. No, I remember that we were you and you and I were in the point where we would come in maybe once a month, and we were buying well, yeah. month monthly at a time. And you and I would just go and split the costs, and we would see Gib every now and then. And I remember it was like on a monthly trek, and we got a we got a flyer in the poll that said you were gone. Right. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> right. So it was 06, and so I was gone for about five years, and one of the guys that I hired there, Stang, Jeff Stang, who now works for Image, <clears throat> he was running the store, and he was complaining because, like, the guys that, that were still there, he's like, man, I can't believe this. I'm like, Jeff, you work in a comic store. You, <laughs> you're not enjoying every day. This is not right. And I said, look, talk to Gary if he can meet my salary you know, I'll come back and work for you. I could work for you. I don't need to be in charge of the store, but I have to at least work with somebody who I respect and who's not through his, just his general demeanor running the store down. Uh-huh. Do you know for a fact, like did like, I know cause Rob and I left, we stopped, we, we had a lull where we weren't collecting for a few years and well, you get a mortgage and you got to make some decisions. Well, so. in 2006 <laughs> was the year I got married and bought my first house and got to cut some things. But yes. then like, I just remember the vibe was completely different walking through the door and you could just tell that you were gone. So what was that five years like? Was it just weird? That was kind of your life for a while. Yeah. No, it was really weird. Remember, I think Rich told me one day, he's like, I ran into Gibb at a gas station. Yeah, I ran into him at Speedway. <laughs> I filled my car up and I saw Superman license plates. Yep, some DC like, guy. Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, and I'm like, there's a there's a 75% chance I know who that is. <laughs> you know, just like, hey, so I walked around the gas station, sure enough. I think it was probably like three weeks later, I was at New York Comic Con with Mark, and then I came back and I got all the comics from Rob's house and I started going through them and I'm like, that's when I called you about buying a bunch of boxes so I could recatalog them and then start a poll again. So that's like, what, three years ago now? So, Gib, so given kind of the history here, what what do you kind of want the ogre to be known for kind of now? So, like, what are you most proud of? You know, maybe if you could go back and change anything or do something maybe different, what, what might that be legacy-wise? I think our most important thing to me, <clears throat> it's always kind of been the same, is be the kind of comic store that we wanted to go to. And that's just, like, you walk in and you ask for something and we just can't wait to t- to share the passion of the different stories in there. So that everybody is comfortable. Everybody is comfortable. This is, hey, I want to read my first comic. Oh, my God, that's awesome. What do you want to read about? You know, hey, 
you know, I'm tired of Iron Man. I want to get into Captain America. It doesn't matter how many you've read. Doesn't Nothing matters at all except you want to read comics. You have come to the right place. Absolutely. I'm going to tell you the truth, dude. My favorite thing about you and your business is I can come in the door, make eye contact, wave to you, get distracted by the giant bone statue, then turn back around and you're gone because you're already in the back getting the comic books. That was like the biggest thing growing up is like, 12 year old kid but like you could see us walking past the window so by the time we get past the big counter on the left when you walk in you're handing the books over the counter and that was like the biggest memory of growing up going in there i missed that counter <laughs> that was always one of the biggest questions i had growing up was like i wonder what it looks like behind that counter <laughs> i was like it's probably like the ogre the cave. cave or something or <laughs> okay so what recommendations are you going to tell a young 10 12 year old Rich and Rob Wagner coming to the comic store for the first time nowadays. What are your saying? We ask is like, what do you want to read about? Yeah, I mean, I <clears throat> as far as collecting, collecting, I was a collector, but I always called myself an accumulator. I kept them because I wanted to read them again, and I would read them again and again and again. When I was in, you know, high school, I would read my whole. I'm like, oh, I'm going to read my whole collection this weekend. <laughs> now, here's a here's a story that will kill you. <laughs> I used to go, especially Mark. I used to go babysit the neighbor and it was, they had little kids and they'd be asleep. So they go out and I get a chance to, to basically, I was away from home. So I got to watch whatever I wanted on TV and they did get snacks and soda for me. It was like magic. And they had a, like a little table in the middle of the room. And in the middle of it, they had comic books. So when I go over there, I would read comic books that weren't mine. So I hadn't read these things 12 times. So he asked me one time, he goes, hey, do you want these? You know, because I they didn't I didn't ask for pay, you know, because I read comics and they bought soda for me. I watched what they're on on TV. It was yeah. like I said, it was magic. Wow. Because you just want them. I'm like, no, because if I had if I took these home, I would read them every day. And soon they would be they wouldn't be new to me. Years and years and years later, I'm like, how have I read Hulk 180 and 181? I mean, oh, man. yes, they were in that batch. Wow. Nice. That you turned down. I said, no, I don't want those comic books. What are those worth these days? Any idea? Well, those were pretty rough. So it'd still be 50, 60 bucks, even in that rough shape. But yeah, he just had a, there was like a little, little compartment in the middle of that table. He'd open up, just throw those books in there. The covers weren't attached on some of them. They still read great. Nice. Okay. So of all the social media now, all the, I mean, print's kind of going away. Where do you feel is the most reliable comic news source? You know, as a retailer, we usually read stuff from Diamond, but there's a bunch of, like on Facebook, I I like a lot of different sites to get, you know, get those headlines. And I mean, same here. Sometimes it's Yahoo. Sometimes it's comicbook.com. Um, so I always, I always try to tag Rich and Rob whenever I... Yes, you're the only person news. that does that to me. Yeah. <laughs> I get my news from Mark's tags. So that's right. Yeah. Being a lot of retailer groups too, a lot of people will link stories as they see them as it relates to all of us. So comic book resources, pretty solid. Um, one that I won't mention usually has the headlines first, but they're not always, always that accurate. And they use that sensationalism to get those clicks. Not the media. Come on. <laughs> and, and he'll, he'll also post stuff that I'm like, you know what? Maybe that was a story we could have done without. Right. Mm. There'll be big sales and he'll, he'll publish like what retailers are paying for something so that you know how to negotiate with them. It's like, well, I know you're only paying $50 for that. What do you give it to me for? 
Is that how the you know, fire of uh, Batman Damned got started? <laughs> you know, the thing was, I read the PDF of that, and it was a lot darker. So I'm like, I, I saw it, and I'm like, you know, they they pretty much just printed that. We couldn't wait to get Overstreet to see if it listed as a first appearance. <laughs> it did not. <laughs> but it's funny because on Wednesday, everybody's talking about it. It's like, oh, damned is out, damned is out. And it's like, oh, Bermejo and Azarello. Everybody's like, oh, I can't wait. Yeah. Thursday, hey, is the bat thing in? <laughs> oh, my God. But everybody was so fired up with it because the creative team on Wednesday and on Thursday was completely opposite. I remember calling you like, "Oh, I forgot to add it because I didn't even I didn't even read any of that." And you're like, "No, it's out. I don't think they're gonna do another printing of it." Yeah. What the hell's the, what, what's going on? You're like, uh, "The bat dick was in it." Oh shit. <laughs> well, I remember because we were going to Comic Con shortly after it came out, and I remember one of the vendors in New York was like 95 a piece. I'm like, you can go screw yourself, bro. I was like, yeah, I remember like that. Them, I remember that. Out. Yeah. So I remember you calling me like, I got a damaged copy. I'm going to send back, you know, you want it for seven bucks. Yeah. I don't care. Yep. You just want it for the art and the, in the uh, story. I don't really care about penis. No, it is gorgeous. I mean, he, he outdid himself with that book. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, I did one some... of his, uh, his books for our Christmas episode, his Noel book, which obviously came out and we were kind of on our hiatus and, the artwork. He's just amazing. When you get like beaming reviews from Jim Lee in the beginning, in the forward, I'm like, yeah, you know what you're doing. You're a very talented writer yep. and artist. So. so who was your favorite artist of all time, Gib, if you had to pick one? Magnola. But it's followed by, like I have a triumvirate of guys that I like, especially I like fantasy stuff. That's Vess, Kaluta, and Russell. P. Craig Russell, also a great guy. Charles Vess, also a good guy. I have not met Kaluta yet, but I told the CXC guys that they have to finish that up for me. The other guys have all right. been to CXC. Nice. When is that? When is that coming back to town? Uh, it's every fall. Every it's fall. That's probably right. September, I think. They look for either a Buckeye night game or a Buckeye off week. So they know what the hell they're doing. <laughs> they do indeed. <laughs> do you know how many times the Wagner twins called to find out if the <laughs> bone figures came out? <laughs> I couldn't wait to ask you that question. <laughs> Those things are great, aren't they? You still have them, don't you? Oh, yes. Still in the box. I think it was every week. We don't care about the comics. We're ready for the figures. When are the figures coming out? <laughs> and now it's going to be on Netflix. I can't wait. You going to have them in the store again? Oh, yeah. I'm sure. When was the we'll last have... time you stopped by? It's been a little while. His um, Tom works for him, mm-hmm. and Tom picks up his pole. So just probably in the store once, maybe twice a year. Now, I see him fairly often at the CXC meetings and stuff. But he spends a lot of time in... Um, Key West now. I mean, I would. Right? Heck yeah. <laughs> so a big question that I have for you, Gib, is kind of what do you think of kind of the comic representation kind of in the entertainment industry? Obviously, Marvel's been doing some amazing things uh, movie-wise. Uh, DC's been kind of more television type stuff. But I'm sure that that's a lot of um, adults and young people's first exposure to comics in many ways. And I'm sure that's what maybe drives them into the store. What, what is kind of your take on kind of the overall comic representation these days? I mean, it's nice for awareness. People know, you know, who the comic characters are and stuff. I, I think it probably hurts as much as it helps us. I think it's overall is probably a, a neutral gain because as many people as are now aware of it, they also can consume comic stories and just sitting in their, their chair and they don't have to go anywhere. That's right. When it comes to how you're going to read your your media, like 
I've tried the digital comics and there's just, it's just not the same thing to me. I got to have the paper in my fingers and the ink and I don't know. I can see what you're saying. Cause if you want to get your superhero fix, I'll just go watch the latest Netflix show or Marvel movie that's coming to Disney plus. Right. Yeah. And they don't have to worry about the world being reset. It's one continuous Marvel world, you know, yeah. whereas the comic companies are always driving. They spend so much time striving for bringing in a new audience that they forget, you know, every time you do that, you kind of <laughs> tick off the old audience. Right. Yeah. I mean, when they renumbered the FF, that to me was like tragic because you could, you could in a lot of ways divide the FF's numbering by 12. And that was how old the Marvel Universe was. What, um, have you noticed any, um, decrease in kind of comic book sales since obviously digital media is kind of the default these days, or has that been kind of a, a medium that has kind of survived more so than some of the others? Anecdotally, we seem to get as many people rejuvenated by going online and reading comics. And then, you know, just like you guys were talking, those of us who grew up on paper want paper. Mm-hmm. So you, you start reading that and you're like, you know, this is really cool, but I absolutely. So but I'm sure we've lost people, but they're not coming and telling me, hey, I'm not picking my poll anymore because I'm reading them digitally. I mean, there's but nothing the like the feeling we... of a book in your hand for me. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I mean, when I had to read the Noel book on uh, Kindle, I was like, yeah, this is nice because I want to read the story. But it's just a different experience. Like, I don't know. It hits my brain differently when I'm doing it on a screen versus holding the paper in my hand. Right. What's your all time wish to hold in your hand someday, Gib? Amazing Fantasy 15. Mm. Nice. Trail. He's answered that question a few times. <laughs> what is it about that book that that's kind of weird? I, I have heard, I'm not sure, but I've heard it's the first appearance of Spider-Man. I want to say I saw it at New York and it was graded like a six. 85, 90,000. My dad used to tell me, and he is a big BSer, so he would tell me this just to, to rock me, but because of the, because of the way he would tell it, he's like, "Hey, you know, when you were a kid, you tore up the first wow. Spider-Man." Comic. No. Yeah, he's like, because I used to like the the comic magazine that it came in. You know, was different stories, and the last one was Spider-Man. And I'm like, well, that he's kind of cool, but that's not what I bought this comic book for. Well, so my dad was not really a comic historian; would not have known that if if he didn't actually have it. So there's a chance, but again. He would tell me just to get me like, oh, yeah, you tore that up. You really want that book? huh? Eh." My chance of finding it are probably better than my chance of actually buying it. So, right. You wish you could be those people that find like that buy a business somewhere in like the ghetto and then they tear down the walls and there's somebody's comic collection sitting in it. There's action number one. Oh, man, I used it for insulation. (laughs) You heard that story where they they found the action number one and they tore it because they were like fighting over it. Oh, man. (laughs) Well, I didn't hear that they tore it, but I heard they had it in the walls. <laughs> well, there's also what? Like, it's hard to find one incomplete because you were supposed to tear the back cover off and mail it in or something back then for some secret decoder pen or a membership to a club or something. Yeah, and pre-war, so many of them are gone because they used to have paper drives. And everybody, if you're a patriotic, you turned all your comics in. Turn in the Superman comic where he wants you to buy War Bond. That's right. That's the American way. So what, what are some of the upcoming things uh, happening at the store that... Uh, would be good to know about well every year we have free comic book day of course that first saturday in may that's always a good time as far as on the schedule that's about the only thing that we have right now because usually events come and go really fast somebody will say hey i've got a new book coming out can i come in and Mm -hmm. we try to keep 
as much local talent as we can in the store. Nice. And like I said, Bendis, we used to have something called the Mini Indie Ogre Com, where the store was set up a little bit differently. We, we don't have the setup for it anymore, but we would put all the back issues under the tables and just let everybody locally, everybody in Ohio, we invite them down. And like Bendis used to set up in the back room, you know, sharing a table with somebody else. I think I remember that. Isn't that where you would bring all the stuff from the back room? It was like a, a big ordeal for you guys. It was a lot of work, yeah. I think I remember that. So I, one of the just random questions I have, because recently you guys have been posting some anniversary photos on Facebook. Right. So what is... So if you could do anything you wanted, how would you set it up? Would you go a little bit back to the old way? Would you keep the current setup? Like what, what changes would you make? If any, the waterfall racks would be gone. I, I'd put my, my wall racks back up. The the green ones. I'm sorry. The green ones. Oh, they'd be green. Of course. (laughs) You know, the waterfall racks get a lot of stuff out there, but you're only looking at maybe at the top third of the cover, which I just don't care for. I like to see a cover, Mm -hmm. but you do get a lot more displayed with a waterfall rack. I remember when it would be a holiday and the comics wouldn't be out on Wednesday, walk in and see just the green wall. Like, damn. Right. Right. I should have called. I always liked the setup at, in, in, up front where you kind of, because I remember when we met Jeff, he was up there kind of in that, where the kids section is now, kind of had that little stage area there. I always liked how it was just kind of, kind of open and for guests and things like that. We were reading a, an article about Frank Miller, and they said, hey, what do you like about signings? And he's like, look, I like in those areas where there's a bit of a stage. So I'm sitting down, but I'm not looking at navels, you know. Right. right. Well, hey, we can we can do that. So we put that stage up there, and we didn't have a signing, then we'd have a display up there. But, yeah, it was awesome. That was very unique because it just attached kind of to your – I always called it the mega desk. Right. <laughs> just... The mega desk counter. Gib, do you have anything for us? Keep up the good work, guys. I love the uh, Rosenberg interview. That was great. Thank you. We appreciate it, and we appreciate your time, really. Thank you very much. Thank you. The only thing I will say is uh, I really appreciate um, you as a person. Um, I think I told you I I have taken a little bit longer to get back into comics, kind of finishing grad school um, over the last few years. But it's uh, it's great to know that you're back at the store, and uh, you definitely had a... uh, a part to play in kind of our love for comics. So I greatly appreciate, you know, kind of you as a person. You're, you're a great guy. Thanks guys. Absolutely. Gentlemen, have a wonderful night. Yes. You Same too, to you. Thank you again. All right, guys. So that was our interview with Gib Bickle from the laughing ogre. Uh, love that guy. Was, yeah. He was cool. Good conversation. All right, Rich. So uh, why don't we do a uh, blast from the past here? So I was thinking about the blast from the past a little bit while we were doing this interview and uh what do you think we just go around and we the three of us just share our favorite comic book store memory my favorite comic book store memory is when the three of us i believe we was our freshman year of high school and i believe it was bill 99 98 going to 99 it was bill who purchased who owned the british paper mill who purchased comic connection and i was still working there at the time and he left me in charge of the store. I'm 14 years old, running the store. And I remember calling you guys up and saying, hey, I'm in charge of the store today. Why don't, let's, let's run it like it's our real comic book store. And you guys like came up. Like it wasn't. <laughs> and just a few customers came in that day. I remember we somebody purchased 20 bucks worth of comics. That I distinctly remember because I had to open up the cash register. And... That was just like our store. Like we ran it. We went, you know, it was just we cleaned up and we 
locked up and I can't believe he left these 14 year olds run this store but that was that was our thing we were totally in our niche so that's I actually love that store more than any other store ever yeah it's a very unique there, setup man. I mean the back issues I just remember it so vividly and that's my favorite comic book memory Rob what you awesome. got man um I think for me it would be meeting Jeff Smith at the laughing ogre um and having him sign our bone comics um I remember uh, we talked a little bit about this in the interview. So currently in the ogre, right when you go in the door and to the left is where kind of the um, the big bone statue is. And that's kind of where a lot of the kids books and things are now. But that used to be kind of a raised up stage. And he was sitting sitting on that kind of raised up stage signing books. And I just remember it was like um, the first comic book celebrity <laughs> that we ever met. And I think we had what we got um i think we had a second edition bone number one right no i think it's i mean that was reprinted so many i think it was like a we had a number one image which was like a fourth print and i think the cartoon books was probably like a seventh print it wasn't yeah it, it wasn't was a pr- first print at all um i just remember it was the green font um and then they were giving away flip books and mm-hmm. He, he signed some of the flip books. We had him sign the first um, number one for each of the card sets that came out. But I just thought that was super cool, kind of meeting somebody who was the creator of one of the books that we really, really loved at the time. So that was that was pretty sweet. I would probably choose that as a really vivid memory. I remember um, picking up the poll uh, a few weeks back uh, before that event was going on and, and Gib I said, bone might've come out that week. And he was like, uh, you know, he's going to be in the store. Right. And I'm like, what? And I remember him writing down on a piece of paper, Jeff Smith signing August 1st or something like that. And it had the time. And I just remember, I remember that vividly, but I think a newer memory, not necessarily that old, but uh, kind of, we reference it in the interview with him was, you know, and we've said before the lows of collecting and, and reading comics throughout your life and meeting up with Mark in New York and going to comic con for the first time and then coming home and then getting back into collecting. And I just remember reaching out to Gib because like we said in the interview, I, I ran into him at a, at a gas station. And that was when I, I realized that he was back at the store because he said, I'm back at the comic store. You ought to swing in. And I was like, no shit. And I just remember going in, hadn't been in there in a long time and just, you know, getting a poll back together. And I remember going over with him that I was going to go and recatalog our collection and go through it. And I wanted to purchase a bunch of boxes. He would order them and give me a discount for buying like 10 at a time. And he's just always been a really awesome ambassador for comics and one hell of a business business guy, man. Like he loves his customers and it shows every time you walk in the store. So my blast from the past is any interaction with Gib from Laughing Ogre for sure. Yeah, I was really excited to take Jensen in there a few years back on Free Comic Book Day um, and kind of introducing him to Jensen. I'm like, yep, here's the the next generation in my family of, of comic collectors. And that was just really cool to take my my son in there <clears throat> and introduce him to to give as well as the store that we spent so much time in for sure 
Absolutely. Well, guys, if you uh, really enjoyed this episode and really enjoyed the interview with Gib, just go ahead and reach out and give some feedback on the Facebook page again and uh, or write us an email. Let us know what you thought. This is Rob. Thanks for listening, guys. This is Mark. This is Rich. And uh, as far as like, if you guys are looking for a New Year's resolution, we'd really appreciate if you guys could share our uh, podcast with a friend or, you know, subscribe and review and give us a rating on your uh, listening platform that you listen to, Google Podcast or iTunes. Um, We'd really appreciate it. And hope you guys have a fantastic New Year. Thank you very much for listening and supporting this RMR production.